Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Church. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, got very full. I know that I did. I heard a stat recently that we consume 4,500 calories on Thanksgiving. Um, but I also wanted to say, too, um, I know that not, you know, for some, the holidays and Thanksgiving is not a very nice time or it's difficult with family. And so I just wanted to let you all know that we're with you in that and I'm praying for you um, uh, as, as you walk through that. Um, this morning, we are finishing our series on This Is What We Do. Uh, the first two weeks, we've talked about, number one, putting God first and giving to God first. That helps us to um, prioritize. And then number two, we ask better questions. Instead of just thinking, what can I afford? We assess what we have and we give accordingly. And as we jump into to this week's, I wanted to share a little story with you um, about a trip. And this was some 20 years ago. I uh, went on a trip with my family uh, and some friends, my brother, my dad, and a couple friends. Uh, we hiked the Arizona Grand Canyon. And when we did this hike, there was, we'd, done, we'd done hikes before, and when we did this one, we were going down to the Colorado River and back up. And uh, we had made a plan to have it be a two-day trip back up out of the canyon. Uh, but what had happened was we had brought all our water containers down, and, you know, you, you had those pills you put in the water to purify it in the river, and, and we filled them all up when we were at the river, and we realized that we did not have enough containers so that we could have enough water to make it to the top. So it's a pretty big issue. You need water, you know, when you're hiking in the desert. Um, so, we, we, so we decided that instead of going two days to get to the top, we're going to go one day, and we're going to take the hard trail. So we chose to do that, and it was rather difficult and rather trying and as we're hiking, we began to we ap run out of water. So we began to run out of water, and, you know, us, us younger, younger people in the group were, like, you know, not drinking as much so that, you know, mainly my dad could have water. But eventually we ran out of water. And my dad, he, his mouth became very dry and to the point, and then he just had to sit down. And he said, he said I can't go anymore. And then you feel that panic because you're like, you can't, you can't hike in the Grand Canyon in the dark. Like, you got to get out of there, you know, so you're not hiking in the dark. So he sat down there, and then we're like, all right, so two of the really in good shape people ran up to the top, hoping there'd be water at the top, but because not a lot of people traveled this difficult trail, there was no water at the top. And fortunately, they found a van driving by, and they flagged the van down, and, the, and they had a five-gallon jug of water that they gave to us. And so the two people that ran up to the top filled all the bottles, ran back down to where my dad was sitting. We were attending to him, and my dad drank water, and then we all together finished the hike up the Grand Canyon. And it was dark when we got up to the top. Um, pretty scary thing. Um, but the reality was, when as we're doing this, um, we're thinking, we weren't 
where we weren't walking there thinking about, oh, look at, oh, look at the nice flowers. Oh, you know, look at this. You know, we weren't just enjoying the hike. We were thinking about down the line. All right, we were like, okay, I want my dad to still be with us when we're done with this. So we're thinking down the line so that we can make sure that he makes it up alive. And our goal, so our goal was like, it was beyond the moment. It was to make sure that my dad was still with us for many years to come. It was long-term as opposed to short-term goals. Um, so we did this hike, and we, we had to take a look at truly what was the most, what we most valued in that moment. But what about as we look at our day-to-day lives and our walk with Jesus? Are we just concerned with being comfortable in the moment, being controlled by other but be by our other motivations and desires. Well, Jesus, his focus in the teaching in Matthew chapter 6 is to show us what's truly valuable. He states in this chapter that people's views of immaterial things are distorted. And then even so, things that are material as well are distorted. So let's take a look at that. First, I'm going to take you to what Jesus echoes something that we see in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 5 to 10. We'll be up on the screen here. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments, then turns sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as when we were born. We can't take our riches with us. The temptation for the love of money is great. And it's not necessarily the money itself. It's what the money could potentially do. Maybe give us a sense of security or safety or allow us to pursue whatever we want without worrying about being able to pay our bills. Now, an example I want to share with you um, Related to this type of pursuit is um, a guy by the name of Matthew Perry. Um, some of you may be familiar with. I, I grew up watching the TV show Friends. All right, I used to watch it a lot, and I really got into the characters and everything like that. And Matthew Perry was was one of the characters um, in that show. And so I, I I was sad when I heard of his recent passing away. But in uh, he he had wrote a book um, some years ago, and in that he talks about a first ever prayer request that he had to become a celebrity and to become rich. And he said to God, you can do whatever you want with me, he told God, just make me famous. That was his prayer, and that fame contributed to Perry's escalating addiction problems many times almost cost him his life. 
and is suspect that when he did pass, it may have had something to do with his addiction. Matthew states that one of the statements he had is that actually you actually have to have all your dreams come true in order to realize that your dreams are wrong. He struggled with addiction throughout his life, and although he had all the money and all the fame that he could have wanted, it never filled the void. He would attempt to fill the void with vodka. He also said this, I would give it all up not to feel this way. I think about it all the time. It's no idle thought. It's a cold-hearted fact. The Faustian prayer I made as a child was a stupid one. It was not based on anything real. And he mentions that Faustian prayer. That Often that's referred to something like making a deal with the devil um, when it's talked about. And he had this prayer, and this is what he wanted for his life, and he got everything that he wanted, but he was miserable, absolutely miserable. And the sad reality is it's not just the haves who have come to find out their perspective on life is all wrong. It's also the have-nots. They both pursue having more, having this faulty view of life, of possessions. It's common among the rich as it is among the poor. Nobody is going to fault you for these things, for desiring to meet needs. But that's the point. Jesus is helping his followers to go against the grain, to do something that's counter-cultural. Teaching people to take a 180 turnaround in how they consider life, money, possessions. Let's see how Jesus words it in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 19 to 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. You know, we may read these words and we sense that they're true, but everyone and everything around us screams the opposite whether it's marketers or ads or, or, or something, there's, or maybe it's even just ourselves, that we convince ourselves, I need this to be happy. I need that to be happy. And it takes something outside of ourselves to cause us to go against our nature so that we're not just saying mine with everything and just assessing only to take care of ourselves. Jesus comes right out in the gate in verse 19 with instructions not to collect and work for earthly treasures. What would those things be? According to what he says, it would be anything that can deteriorate, that can depreciate in value, or be taken away from you. So what fits in that category? Well, let's, let's break down Matthew 6 here. The first part in verses 1 to 4 talks about this the admiration of others. This could quickly come and go. If you're a parent sitting here today, you know this because sometimes your children adore you. The one minute, and then the next minute, they don't want anything to do with you, right? That can happen in leadership too. At one minute, somebody can be like, oh, you're so wonderful, this is great, you're this, you know, and then suddenly, 
It's all gone. So you could be driven by the admiration of others. And then in chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, talks about the attention of others. Sometimes out of a desire to be seen, to be known, to be loved, we seek attention in a number of creative ways, and sometimes even in harmful ways. Then, 6, 7 to 18, a good reputation can drive us. We want to be known for and thought of as being good, noble, and upright people. We want to be respected and affirmed. So sometimes that can be the driving force. Then on the end of this teaching, in verses 24 to 34, he talks about food, drink, and clothing. These are basic human needs, and Jesus said we're not to be distracted by them. He does acknowledge that they are needs, but he warns when we prioritize them, they become distractions. But distractions from what? Verse 20 tells us the answer in pursuing, is pursuing heavenly treasure. And how he describes heavenly treasure is where he's going with this teaching. He says he cannot, it cannot deteriorate, it won't depreciate in value, and it cannot be taken away from you. But how do we pursue this heavenly treasure? Is there any clue? Well, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. You see the priority in that. Seek God, seek the kingdom of God first above all else. Live righteously and then God will provide for your needs. We often switch that around, right? God knows and he fully understands what your needs are. He's not looking at you waving his finger because you provide for the needs of your family. That's what you're called to do. He just wants you to prioritize those needs. We can say all we want about the treasure, about treasuring certain things in life, but it is our day-to-day -day choices that reveal the truth. If we, it's like there's a book called Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley. And in that book, he talks about that our life is shaped not as much by our intentions or what our desire is, but rather by the choices that we make. We can say, yeah, I want this. This is what I want. This is my desire. But if our choices are something different, then it doesn't line up, and it doesn't lead to those things that we say that we desire. An example, someone might say, I want my child to be moral, upstanding member of society who is successful in work and with family. Therefore, I'll require that he or she go to school, get a job, and treat others well. But I won't require that he or she comes to church, do family devotions, seek God, or participate in service in the community. So ultimately, if we're pursuing the kingdom of God, what is our reward? What are we pursuing? What is worth our life's pursuit? What is so important is that it changes how we see everything else. How do we go about storing up treasure in heaven? Paul seems to give us a clue here in the book of Philippians as he talks about a perspective change that he had because Paul had everything that you could have as far as respect, as far as admiration, as far as everyone's attention he had. And then let's look at what he thought about that 
and what his perspective became. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. And then continuing in verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You see, the Apostle Paul, he recognized that knowing Jesus and what he's done for us is the utmost value, pursuing that personal relationship with Jesus and what he wanted for his life. His job was to make Jesus known to people, to be a light in the world around him. Whatever that required, he was willing to do it. It meant living like Jesus lived. It meant living a sacrificial life. It meant prioritizing what was important to Jesus. This is what Paul would give his life for. Acts 20, 24 says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That was Paul's mission in life. It was an eternal mission. How did Paul get to that point? How did his perspective shift? What did he seem to know and believe that we need to know and believe? He took Jesus at his word. He believed what the writers of Scripture clearly believed. Life is short. Eternity is long. And Paul's focus was that. His focus was on eternity and seeing people come to know Jesus. And so to help you with a little perspective here this morning, I'm not going to pick out anybody from the audience. Don't worry. All right, what I have here is a very long rope, which seems to go on forever, right? So we have this very long rope, and on the end of this rope, you see the little pink tape, right? So this rope represents our life, and this pink tape represents our time here on earth. Okay. Our time here on earth, we spend consumed oftentimes with being comfortable. We spend consumed with like things going right or going our way or, or, or having the right perspective in that moment. We, we, can be, we can be so focused on that dot, that moment in time. Have you ever, have you ever heard anybody say to you, all right, well, think about it. How much will that matter five years from now? Anyone ever say that to you? Okay, I, I've said it to people. But in reality here, this, is, this represents the length of time of our time here on earth. And this seemingly unending rope represents eternity. And if we're going, this is the perspective that we're being driven towards here, is seeking the kingdom of God, to seek and consider eternity. Consider our life and what we're doing for Jesus now. How does that impact eternity? 
So in that moment when something happens and something doesn't go your way and it seems like it's just awful or the most worst thing in the world, remember, and I encourage you to do this, and we'll have an application here at the end, remember that we live for the line. We say we live for the line, we're meaning we live with eternity's perspective in mind. We live thinking, my decisions I make today, how can they impact eternity? How I treat my spouse, how I treat my child, how I treat my coworker, how I treat my parents, how is that going to impact eternity? So, this is how we're able to put God first. The giving to him first. This is how we're move, able to move from what can I afford to what do I have. We get things mixed up so easily. We put all our focus and our attention and affection to the right here and now. But we're preparing for something much larger, some, something longer than even a marathon. We're preparing for eternity. And knowing that eternity is coming causes us to see things in this life differently to put them in their place. To not store them up. To not treasure them, but to seek the kingdom of God above all else. But you only get there when you live for the line. So just like when my family was hiking the Grand Canyon, our focus is on keeping my father with us down the line. We need to live for the line and not the dot. Many things in life may be appealing, but it will become evident to both us and to our children what really matters and whether or not we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven or on earth. Now, don't get me wrong here. It's not, there's nothing wrong with pursuing and providing for the needs of your family, and, and there's nothing wrong with having things. But we can get so consumed with that that we lose perspective on eternity. We lose perspective on why we're here. Why does God have us here? We're all, we're all going to live forever whether we've embraced Jesus as our forgiver and leader or, we're, or we haven't. We all have eternal souls that are going to live forever somewhere. So what are we going to do with this now? What are we going to do with this information now? Um, one of the applications of this message that we have been talking about has been our vision 2023. And um, as you can see behind me, um, we've had $156,139 that have come in so far. That is one application. Um, but, listen, that doesn't stop there. Like, we're talking about here is even bigger than that. It has to do with a lifestyle change. If your perspective and mine were each day on eternity and the impact the decisions that we make could have, on eternity, how differently would we make decisions? So I'm going to challenge you today with a bracelet that you're going to be given on your way out today that says, it says, live for the line. As you see on that picture there, it shows the dot as, as opposed to living for the dot, right? The dot on the tape. We're living for the line, living for eternity for the kingdom of God, and not just for ourselves. 
So I encourage you to grab one of these when you go out today, and I'm asking you to commit to one week. One week, wear the bracelet, and, and when you're living your day-to-day, ask yourself this question, am I living for the line? Okay? And as you go today, and I will be praying for myself and for you as, we, as we're challenged with this, this week. And um, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love for us, Lord. I thank you that you've given us your word. And that you just have given us instructions in life on how to live. And it's not about us, it's about you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to live for the line, live for, to seek your kingdom first above all else. And we trust that you will provide all that we need. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.